What's up? Welcome back to Forte Catholic. It is great to be back today. I am your host, Taylor Schroll. This is an exciting day. It is our 25th episode of Forte Catholic. So we thank you for joining us here tonight. Uh, We missed last week. I was very, very sick last week, so I was not going to come in and cough all over the microphone. Feeling a lot better today. Still got to kind of have an empty cough, but uh, I'm pushing through it today because we have a great show planned for you today. Uh, We have a great guest, uh, Rose Sweet, who I'm going to let her introduce herself here in just a second. We're going to be tackling the an important issue, an intriguing issue, and a sometimes, time, a sometimes kind of controversial issue on marriage, divorce, and annulments. And she's a great person to have on this. She's kind of put her life's work into into speaking about this topic and writing about this topic. So, uh, Rose, it's great to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, no, it, it is absolutely my pleasure. I, uh, I was talking with our general manager a few weeks ago, and he had heard you, and he's like, you have to get this lady on the show. So I'm, I'm so glad to have you on. That's what I like to hear. Yes, ma'am. So, so why don't you explain to my audience, you're over in Southern California and we're over here in the middle of the, the greatest state in the union in Texas. So if you law, you have to go to confession, you know? Yeah. So, so you better, you better watch what you say so you don't have to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. No, I, I'm a California girl, born and raised, and um, yes, we have a lot of whack jobs over here in the state. But the geography is gorgeous. That's what I always say. It absolutely is. So, I, ha- I had this. I had this argument in. Uh, I was in California for a youth ministers convention a couple of months ago, and I had this uh-huh. this exact argument with my Uber driver driving me from the airport to the conference. And he was saying, look how beautiful it is. Y'all don't have this in Texas. I'm like, yeah, but I, <laughs> but I get to keep my money because we don't have state tax. He's like, all right, you win. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. It's, if it's one thing, it's another. I know. <clears throat> well, I, I love California. I love being from here. And um, I was born a long time ago and to a good Catholic family. And uh, I found myself going through divorce. It was back, it was a long time ago, and there was still a bad stigma about that, and I I didn't know how to navigate through relationships. I was just driving myself toward happiness. I thought a husband, home, and kids would make me, that would be it. I'd be be happy for life, and uh, long story short, I blew it. Uh, I couldn't find a lot of help back then. I found some wonderful help in the Protestant world through their divorce care um, it wasn't even DVDs. They weren't invented. It was on the old VHS tapes. And I watched this program, and, and I was I found a lot of healing, and the Lord really reached my heart and, uh, and did a lot of good work in me through that. But over the years, I thought, gosh, we need something for Catholics. And the more I reached out to help people who were also go- had gone through divorce and didn't understand the annulment process and were angry and frustrated and struggling with forgiveness— a ministry grew out of it, and I started to write books and give talks, and lo and behold, one day, um, all the stars aligned, so to speak, and I was able to put together a really beautiful and powerful uh, DVD series for Catholics. Um, It's a parish program. It's 12 weeks long, and it's to help the person who's going through divorce right now, or maybe it's been 10 years and they're still struggling with some issues, uh, to come and find help, comfort, support, and, this is most important, the truth. The truth about what the Catholic Church really teaches about love and sex and marriage and divorce and annulment and remarriage and all those, all those really important topics that a lot of Catholics think they know what the Church teaches, but we don't. So I, I've made it kind of my mission. I've, I really know our Lord has taken my woundedness and equipped me to go out and um, make make it my mission to help other people in this area. Yeah, first of all, thanks for thanks for doing that because I know that you know I I, I uh, haven't been through a divorce myself, but I've seen a lot of people struggle through them and, and how how difficult it is. So I know that it was obviously difficult for you. So thank you for allowing God to work through that wound in your life um, to bring joy and healing and hope to to other people who are struggling. And um, and second thing. 
thank you for making a DVD set and not a VHS set. I'm very, very thankful for that. Uh, <laughs> that's. Oh gosh. I, I, I was trying to remember well, the, know, the last movie I watched on VHS, and I was a little kid, so I don't, I don't remember. Well, you know, the DVDs are going to be obsolete one of these days too. So now I know the program is going to streaming. So who knows? By the time we're dead and gone, who knows what will ever happen? Yeah, uh, our kids are just going to be, like, downloading it into their brains <laughs> like, by the time we're done. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it's so – it's, it's kind of you – know, you're talking about how, how crazy it is God works sometimes. And um, all around the same time that I was talking to you to set, set you up to come onto the show, um, I've been kind of walking I, – I, I'm in youth ministry. I've been walking with this kid who has just been struggling with a lot of things personally in his own life. And then on top of a lot of these things that he's he's been struggling with personally, um, I found out the last time I met with him that his parents are actually get, uh, getting a divorce, and it was, uh. yeah, and it was just one of those things that you know I don't I, I've I've spoken to the mom before a couple of times because she is like has reached out to me to kind of help this this young man, but then she would I now I can just see her hurting, and it was one of those things I started asking around uh, the churches in this area. It's like, oh, does anybody know of like a divorce ministry in the church? And like, mm-hmm. e- if there is one, I haven't been able to find it yet. So I'm I'm so mm-hmm. thankful for the kind of ministry that mm-hmm. that you do. And it's one of those things that like I don't know how to talk to this lady. Um, mm-hmm. I, I you know like it's one of those things that I could probably get a few sentences in, but after that, I'd be dumbfounded. You know, of, like how to actually approach people in this real situation in their lives. So that's why I was I was so grateful to have you on, not only for my own fulfillment, but for the people who are listening. Who, I mean, like, what are the odds that somebody's listening that hasn't been around divorce? You know, like either in their in their in their in their own lives or in their families or in their their parents or their aunts and uncles or all those kind of things. Like. It's a huge part of our lives, so I'm so glad to have you on to talk about these things. Yeah, thank you, because I know I, if your listeners have not been through it personally, um, just like you said, how do you talk to somebody? What is it that the separated or divorced person really needs from you? And it's not advice. It's really, first of all, just sit and listen and be with them. You don't even have to say a word. Just listen you know, that's the first thing Jesus did that when people would come up to him. And he, would, he didn't start preaching right away. He would listen to their questions and their concerns and their demands or whatever. So that's the first thing to do. Just, just be there for them and listen. Well, that's great. And this actually comes, uh, it's interesting how it connected because two weeks ago, our show was on vocation. So I talked a lot about, about marriage. And then uh, last week I was supposed to have a show and I was sick, so we didn't talk about it. So this is a great little segue from our last show. We were talking about what, what a vocation is. So the, in, in this, here in this first segment, you're, you're joining me throughout the whole show because we wanted to talk about um, uh, a bunch of different things, about marriage, about divorce, about annulments, about life after divorce. And we wanted to dedicate an entire show to that. So to kind of set us off on that, um, I want you to just dive a little deeper into into what okay. marriage actually is. Before we get into what it looks like at the yeah. end, what is it supposed to be? Yeah, you know what? You can't understand what the Church teaches on divorce and annulment and remarriage until you first understand what she teaches on what makes a valid marriage bond. When two people stand in front of a priest and say, I do, Supposedly, and, and the Church assumes that a valid marriage bond came into being, kind of this invisible bond uh, came into existence. And sometimes, looking back, we realize something was in the way or missing where that bond didn't really happen. So, yes, there was a civil marriage. Yes, there was a valid life together, a valid mortgage, and three valid kids, you know. But an invalid bond the way the church looks at marriage. So this this is it, and this is what I love. I'm sure your listeners have heard of St. John Paul the Great's Theology of the Body. This is a beautiful thing to draw on to understand briefly what makes a valid marriage bond. Okay, four things. And again, this is just broad sweeping because we could spend a whole day on this. But Jesus loves his bride perfectly. And the way that Jesus loves his bride, that marriage, to his bride, to his spouse, is what we follow and we look for for a valid marriage. And his love for her is free, free of any agenda, free of force or pressure. It's not like God the Father said, okay, you're going to go down there and, you know, be the spouse of the, the bride and, you know, do all this because that's how I say it. And 
I don't, you have no say in the matter. But Jesus said, no, I come here and I give my life freely. No one takes my life from me. He gave his very self freely for our greater good. So love has to be free of fear and anxiety and pressure. So think about this, you know, when two people are standing at the altar, if there's any of that, you know, big bad fear or pressure going on, you might have a problem. The next way that Jesus loves his bride, his love is is, is free. His love is also full. There's a total self-giving. There's nothing held back. There's no prenups. There's, you know, no hidden bank accounts. There's no other wife and child somewhere else. The, there's a full and total self-giving, not just till you fall out of love or you get fat or you don't make enough money for me. <laughs> it's a full self-giving all the way till death. <laughs> I mean, only death can separate. So I know you're laughing, right? I am, I am laughing because right when you said, even if you get fat, my producer points at me and starts laughing because my wife stuck with me even though I've gained a few pounds <laughs> since we got married. Well, you know, it, you know, we laugh at it, but it's really stupid because there are people who would go, I'm just not turned on by him or her anymore. Gained so much weight. What do, and it's like, gosh, open your eyes to the bigger facts of life. But anyway, I don't want to get off on a tangent. But <laughs> Jesus' love for us is free and it's full. He gives everything. He doesn't hold anything back from us. And it's, and it's forever. So free, full, and faithful. His love for us is faithful. And when we talk about two people pledging fidelity and faithfulness, we're not just talking about sexual fidelity. We're talking about you would never even think about bringing anything into the marriage or doing anything or saying anything that would hurt or disrespect or be otherwise unfaithful to upholding the dignity of your spouse. And when I do marriage prep uh, weekends to young couples, this is always the thing that that cracks me up. I say, okay, you guys are going to get married this summer. Then comes Christmas, and your mother wants you to go to her house, guys, like you have all your life for Christmas morning. But your new bride is going to want to stay home and have Christmas at your house. So where do you go this Christmas? And all of a sudden the guys get a scared look on their face and all the girls are like, hmm, this better be the right answer. And I, I, you know, I say a lot of people get married and they're unfaithful because their mom still comes first or their dad, or their best friend, or even sometimes if they've been married before, their children. So infidelity means that somebody else comes first in your life when push comes to shove. And, you know, Jesus doesn't consider that with his bride. He, we are, he'll do anything for us to get us to heaven. He loves us that much. So Yeah, no, that's please. a great point, because well, most of the time when people think of faithfulness or fidelity, they only think sexually, right? So we're... Where it right. kind of, it's kind of like all this other stuff is okay. Oh, if I'm if I'm flirting with somebody, or if I'm not spending enough, if I'm at the hunting range and not with my wife, or if I'm doing X, Y, and Z, as long as I'm not sexually unfaithful, then I'm fine. But I I love that you're talking about this because I think so often, like I mean, any you know, the holiest couples can get complacent and and start putting other things in front of their spouse, just like you know we all put other things in front of our relationship with God at times. So I'm I'm glad you talked that exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. We need to expand this because, you know, it's like when you make an examination of conscience and you, okay, you, I haven't had sex outside marriage. Well, let's look at the other things, you know, other ways that you've been unfaithful to each other. And you just, you haven't, you haven't loved each other rightly. That's really what it comes down to. It's not a list of rules and regulations, but have you been really, really loving each other the way Christ loves us? So his love is free, full, faithful, and the last one is fruitful. You know, love and life cannot be separated. No love, no life. No life, no love. Um, and we need to be open to new life, divine life. I mean, when the heart and soul opens up to God's divine love, He impregnates us, as it were. He fills us with divine life. And, um, you know, marriages, we need to be open. The church is always taught open to the gift of life and you know that's another form of fidelity and and fullness because our fertility is part of who we are and it's a gift and again i don't want to get off on a big nfp or you know thing about children but 
you know, this all this stuff stems off everything else, but it's free, full, faithful, fruitful love. That's the way Jesus Christ loves his bride, and that is also the church's wedding vows. I come here freely to give myself till death fully, you know, to be faithful in good times and bad and sickness and health and to be open to the gift of children. So that's what the church looks at. Uh, and, and she presumes that whenever people stand in front of the priest and get married, that they know that, they understand it, and they're able to live that out to the best of their ability. So that's what makes a valid marriage. So no shotgun weddings, huh? Well, now, is that a free yeah. consent? <laughs> no, there's a lot of pressure, fear, social pressure, family pressure, and maybe sometimes even the gun in the back. Right. I was pretty desperate to get married, but I wasn't that desperate. So uh, there was no, there was no well, gun in mind, so we're fine. You know what, Taylor, though? But this, this is interesting that you say that. Desperation, depending on the severity of it, you know, it is, I find this a lot of times. Let's say a woman is 29 years old, and all her friends have been married for eight years, and they all have three kids, and she's lonely, and nobody's dating her, asking her out, and all of a sudden some guy starts dating her, and she goes, that's it, she's ready to be married. She's also maybe living at home still. She wants to get away from mom. She wants to have her own life. And so she really is, and I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing, but she can be so desperate that should that marriage fall apart a few years later and the church look at it through the annulment process, it may be that that desperation was in the way of her making a, a free consent to marriage to that particular person. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I would have never thought about that one before. Every time I thought of free, yeah, like the, the, the whole joke has always been the shotgun wedding, you know. But, yeah, the des- desperation is actually really interesting. So, um, yeah, whenever we come back from the break, we're going to be talking um, – more about now that we know, now that you've shared with us these these four things, these uh, free, full, faithful, and fruitful, um, now that we know what a valid marriage bond is, we're going to look at, okay, then what is actually a divorce and what is an annulment and, and look at some of these things more in depth. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, all right, guys, we are going to be right back here in just a few minutes. Um, again, I'm, I'm, this is Taylor Schroll on Forte Catholic here with Rose Sweet. We uh, just, uh, if you're just tuning in, we were just talking about marriage bonds. When we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, divorce and annulments and tune around, uh, tune, stick around, and we'll be talking about um, how do we live as Catholics um, in a situation of divorce. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Segment two of Forte Catholic, episode 25. It's exciting to be here. I'm joined by my guest co-host, Rose Sweet. And uh, if you missed the first segment, we were talking about what makes a valid marriage uh, within the Catholic Church. It's free, full, faithful, and fruitful. So now uh, we're going to dive into um, this the tough topic of divorce and annulment. So, uh, Rose, what does like? Uh, there's a lot of confusion, I think, a lot about what the church teaches about divorce and annulment. So, let's tackle divorce first. What does the church say about civil divorce? Okay, I'm glad you asked me. And, and when I go around and and speak and, and at conferences and what people will ask, what do you think, Rose? And I say it's never what I think; it's what the church teaches. So, if anybody's listening and they're interested, you can go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church and read what she says about civil divorce, and it's sections 2382 through 2386. And basically, the Church says that divorce is a grave offense against the dignity of marriage. Uh, It's a grave offense against the natural law, and it does injury to the covenant of salvation. What that means is that Christ's love for his bride, that marriage, that mystical marriage with all of us and and Jesus, you know, we, we we draw off of that, and we, we enter into that mystically when we have marriage, and we do damage to that when we divorce. 
the church also says that divorce introduces grave disorder to the family and grave harm to them, and ultimately it spreads out to the rest of us, and it's a plague on society. And we know that because, you know, statistics are out there saying that divorce, I think the cost of divorce, the higher crime rate, depression, suicide, you know, all that stuff, homeless, you know, families without fathers, costs on average every person in this country costs about $30,000 a year. Wow. I mean, it's ridiculous. So the church nails it. The church says it's really, really horrible. But she also understands that a lot of people attempt marriage and don't know what the heck they're doing. Or, or they have fears or psychological wounds or agendas that, that invalidate consent. Remember that consent has to be that free, full, faithful, fruitful love uh, that images the way Jesus loves his bond, his, his, uh, his bride. So if you want to know what the church says about, you know, divorce, go to the 2300 section. But then matrimonial consent, here's another one, because I know like, some people like to write things down. So it's 1625 to 1649. And the church talks about this. Basically what we just did, that consent must be have no fear, no pressure, you know, and there must be sufficient maturity, uh, and people must people who are Catholics must, must get married in the Catholic form, blah, blah, blah. So civil divorce happens, but the church does not recognize it as breaking the marriage bond. So civil divorce happens, and the church understands that, but she's looking at the the valid marriage bond for the way the church, you know, the way Jesus loves his bride. So you get a civil divorce, you're still married in the eyes of the church. I think most people know that. So if you get a civil divorce, you you before you should get a civil divorce, you should get good therapy and counseling and um, a spiritual director and learn about annulment and learn about valid marriage bonds and see, maybe with a wise and holy priest or somebody, to see if you do have grounds for nullity, that maybe this was a relationship that was doomed from the start. That doesn't mean that God's grace can't overcome anything. But remember, God's grace can do anything, but we have to open up to it. People have free will. And in a lot of marriages, even though you have one partner praying and praying and praying and trying to be the perfect spouse, another one can be completely closed to God's grace and the workings of the Holy Spirit. And there's nothing you can do about that, and it's a tragedy. So the church is very just in upholding the laws, but very merciful in understanding that sometimes we don't know what the heck we're doing. Does that make sense? No, it, it absolutely does. And it, it's interesting, like the, the last line that you said is like, just in upholding the laws, and then merciful in how we, how we carry it out. Um, because like, as you were, as you were starting... Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things I'm, I'm thinking about people who know people who have been divorced, who have been divorced themselves, like hearing like what that catechism says in, in 2382 and uh, through, eight, through 86, as you were saying, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a grave offense against marriage and natural law. It's a grave disorder to family and society. It's like, well, that, mm-hmm. that, 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 that would make somebody feel terrible, right? You know, it's like, but like, it's one of those things we have to share the truth. But then, like, so I, I know that you, 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 part of your story, and you, you mentioned it in the first segment, is that you have been uh, divorced before and then annulled, which we can, you know, talk about the difference here in a second. But as, mm-hmm. a, like, what do you think people hear um, who are going through divorce or thinking about divorce when they hear that it's a grave offense against marriage and natural law, grave disorder to family and society? Um, how do you think that makes people feel? And then how can we as a church um, help them along that, along that process? Taylor, God bless you. That is a wonderful question. So here's the thing. We're only telling them half of the truth when we go, it's a grave offense, and it's a grave this, and it does grave harm, and it brings disorder. That's true. It's true. It's true. But at the same time, there may be just cause for getting the heck out of an abusive, horrible, damaging relationship. And the Church actually says in paragraph 2383 and 1649, that physical and even legal separation and even civil divorce may be permitted in rare cases to preserve the safety, 
and maybe even the financial security of the family. And and one brief example is let's say some guys a you know a gamble you know gambling the whole their life away and he's uh, and the the mother and the children are going to go without a roof over their head. And uh, if the only recourse that she has is to file separation or get live you know legal divorce to keep the house or whatever, the church understands that. At the same time, she's still married in the eyes of the church to that man. So the church does permit. Let's say, let's say you and I were married, Taylor, and you were just the most horrible, abusive husband in the in the universe. You called me fat every day, <laughs> you know. Anyway, and I'm just kind of make make light a little because this is a heavy topic. But yeah, for sure. let's say I ha- my therapist and my spiritual director said get out of that relationship. The church says that is absolutely fine, and not only fine, I may have a responsibility to get away from you. At the same time. She says, I'm still married to you unless I go through the annulment process and receive a decree of nullity. So that's the beautiful thing about church teachings is she will uphold marriage even when things are horrible, but give us an out to keep our sanity or even to keep us from being killed sometimes. Right. I'm not that bad of a husband. I'm not the greatest ever, (laughs) but I'm not not that bad. (laughs) <laughs> we, your wife isn't here to defend you, but I, I'll believe you. I'll yeah, believe she's you. probably listening at home. She she tends to listen. <laughs> it's so funny. She tries to listen, but then our two kids are running around like crazy, most of the time not wearing many clothes. So th- it's just a crazy, <laughs> it's a mess at my house while I'm over here doing the show. So, um, well, you do live in Texas. I know it's hot there. It is. It is very hot. It was it was like 85 degrees on Christmas. Super sad. We've mm-hmm. been we've been dreaming mm-hmm. of a white Christmas our entire lives. Um, so, yeah. So, like, you know, in that in that scenario where that that uh, that lady is still uh, civilly married to that man who you know was was gambling life away or was abusive or, or whatever, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what are th- those are a couple? What you, you mentioned that there might be grounds for an annulment. So, let's talk about annulments. Like, what are some of the terms for nullity? Like, what are the things that people in the relationship can do? That would mean that there's like a, n- a null and void marriage there. Well, you know what? There's there are quite a few of them because we human persons are quite complex. But I would rec- and I'm going to make a shameless plug here. I wrote a book called How to uh, Understand and Petition for Your Decree of Nullity, and you can get it on Amazon real cheap. It's short, it's easy to read, and it has a 25 pages like a checklist to go down to to see if you you may have potential issues that are severe enough to to talk about this with with somebody who knows what they're dealing but dealing with but um you know any any time a catholic baptized catholic marries outside the church automatic annulment uh, any time somebody is against fidelity against being faithful where you know and I know in some cultures it's typical that dad and grandpa and uncle so-and-so, they all have girlfriends on the side. It's, it's a cultural thing. They love their wives, they support their wives, and they have a lot of kids, but they have girlfriends. So they have no intention of staying faithful. Um, again, that these things have to be proved uh, in a competent tribunal through the process. You can't just go, oh, well, you know, that's happening, so I'm free. No, you have to go through the process because marriage is so serious. It's not up to you to decide. Um, so, um, other, other things are, <clears throat> um, like I, I said, the shotgun wedding, being very young and immature, desperate to get out of the house, um, uh, drug addictions, alcoholism, uh, mental illness, you know, uh, uh, excessive narcissism sometimes is another thing, uh, where people aren't even able to really bond or be compassionate to one another, um, so there, there's so much. There's psychological cases, and uh, I'm just like there's a million of them. But you know what I'd like to add too when we in this short segment is talk about some of the myths about annulment, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Before we do that, I just want to say everybody go check out that book. Except my wife. My wife is not allowed to go read the book. I don't want her doing uh, a checklist <laughs> on me behind my back. So. Uh. Well, you know what. It's funny that you say that because some people hear some of this and they go, "Oh, what if I have an invalid marriage?" Right. Go, no, 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 no. Let me say this really loud and clearly: the church presumes and understands and believes you do have a valid marriage bond. Only if you get a civil divorce and it all falls short, 
and you can go back and pin everything back to the time you said, I do, well, you might have a, a grounds for annulment. The church also, also teaches, this is important, that many of us are in difficult marriages. That's how the church defines that, a difficult marriage where there's not enough evidence to show a nullity, but she does recognize, yes, you've been in a very difficult and maybe even like verbally or emotionally abusive situation for many years, and you have a cross to carry. And we pray for you and you ask for God's grace, but you have, there's, you know, we assume that you have a valid marriage bond. That's really hard for a lot of people. Yeah, that make that makes me happy. I'm glad I have a valid marriage. That's that's really exciting. So maybe you are a cross to your wife. I absolutely. Uh, you know, I, we, I am definitely I like sh- I'm in a great marriage. She's in a difficult marriage. So <laughs> Aww. why don't Aww. why don't we go ahead and and uh, go into some of these some of these myths? What are like you're the expert on this? What are the most common myths ab- about like what people in the church believe about annulments that actually isn't true? Okay, first of all, and I got a. Somebody was really mean and snotty to me on Facebook, saying, Oh, get over yourself, Rose. Everybody knows it's common knowledge that annulments are given out like candy. And that just rankles me when I hear that. If you knew how difficult it is to get an annulment and the paperwork that's involved and the honest introspection and examination and the, and the judges and the law, the canon law they have to go by... It, that's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. Annulments are not given out like candy. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Um, the church, I, I respect the church so much for, you know, for upholding the beautiful truth about marriage. Um, but anyway, here's, here, let me get back to this other thing. If you get a civil divorce, and it wasn't your fault, I mean, you may be guilty of sin in the marriage and selfishness or whatever. Get to confession, confess about those sins, and go to Holy Communion. Civil divorce does not prevent you from receiving the sacraments. Oh, wow. But I didn't know that. Yeah, that's one of the common myths that I think I had heard. I thought you weren't yeah. supposed to. So there you go. Now I learned no. something. No, because, like, what if, okay, you and I are married again, right? And I was the perfect wife, of course, and you were the horrible guy, and you finally Why am I always the bad man? person in this scenario? No, Why can't you be? because you're the man. Come on. No, no. Okay. So you took off with a secretary and abandoned me and our 13 children. Why, wait, no. why do we have 13 children? <laughs> this well, is getting worse and worse for me. <laughs> hey, I did all the work around the uh, house, yeah. buddy. No. Okay. So anyway, I'm abandoned, right? Why should I be barred from Holy Communion? You're the one that caused a civil divorce. Right, right. See? So, in other words, civil divorce itself is not necessarily a sin for one or both parties. For one, it certainly can be a major sin. So get yourself to go talk to somebody smart and holy, get a spiritual director, whatever, go to confession and receive the sacraments. But if you attempt marriage after civil divorce, before you get an annulment, now you're committing adultery because you're still married. Right. Even though he's long gone, the person's long gone, she's gone, you're still married. So that's where divorced and remarried Catholics without annulment, they are not to present themselves to receive oh, our Lord in okay. the Eucharist. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. You know, all the Church's teachings, they're not stupid man-made rules. They make common sense and they uphold love and truth, and justice, and mercy. I love being Catholic, and I love canon law, and I love, I love the Church teachings. So, anyway, it doesn't, if you get an annulment, it doesn't make your kids illegitimate. It doesn't cost a lot of money. Even before the Pope uh, in, encouraged dioceses not to charge anything, there was already a law on the books saying that if you couldn't afford the six or seven hundred bucks processing fees, you didn't have to pay it. Or you could make little payments or partial payments. Yeah, that's good. That would that would that would seem kind of rough for somebody to profit off of somebody's struggle. Well, that, and the, here's the the okay. There's a myth too. Like the church is going to profit. The church puts in weeks and months on my case and charges six hundred bucks. That doesn't even pay the light bill. Hey, but so that's that's the how the church, church pays their ministers. So <laughs> I know, I know. Even, let's not even go there. That's a, that's another but topic you know for another day. So. You know, there's a lot of money and a lot of good things that goes into goes goes into an annulment, and 
that six or seven hundred bucks barely scratches the surface. But again, if you can't pay it, just show hardship and you don't have to. The church will not withhold help from you for money. And that's another big myth, another lie. Um, also, the Pope back in uh, uh, December 2015, everybody was talking about making it easier and faster. It's not really easier and faster. Um, there was one part of it. If, you, if um, Again, you left me. I went and got an annulment, right? And the church granted the annulment. But then it, after the decision, it goes to the diocese down the street, so to speak, and a second pair of eyeballs looks at it. Another tribunal takes a second look at it. So the Pope got rid of that part. No longer do, does your case, any case, have to go to a second tribunal for a quick look. And that saves about two weeks to a couple months on, on an average process. So there are little changes, but they're not major. And it's not easy. I'm going to say this a million times. It is not easy to get an annulment. Yeah, I bet I bet not. Yeah, I, I mean, all the ones I've encountered, it always seemed real difficult. So we're, we're going to come back. We're going to keep talking about that exact topic so we can uh, continue talking about annulments and divorce. Uh, so, guys, we will be right back here in just about three minutes for our final segment with Rose Sweet. We'll be right back. segment of Forte Catholic. I have been joined today for the, uh, by Rose Sweet, having a, a co-host for the entire show for the first time ever, and it is going mighty swell, if I do say so myself. So, uh, Rose, before the break, we were talking about um, annulments, um, and I think you just had one more thing about uh, th- that you wanted to say about annulments before we talk about like what life after divorce looks like for practicing Catholics. So, um, yeah, how do you okay, want to tie okay. up those loose ends? Okay, now I, I realize I said a few times, like, it's it's hard to get an annulment. It's difficult, it's difficult. And, I, and you had mentioned at the break, too, you knew somebody who was really struggling through the process. Okay, it is difficult because we don't want to look at the past. It's painful. So, you know, we have to bring it up and take a look at it, and that's difficult. And then it's like going to court. You need a good lawyer when you go to court, civil court. So you need a good advocate, that's what the church calls it, somebody to walk with you and work with you and help you explain the process and hold your hand, as it were, um, and, and uh, get you through it. So if you are considering, uh, and again, this is in my book, if you're considering an annulment, you know, call your tribunal and ask for a good advocate to help you through the process. It's, it's difficult, but it's not, it's not, it's not horrible. And most people are so glad they did it because it was very healing. Yeah, and Jesus said after he died that he was going to send you the advocate. So, so there you go. The, the church will provide that's one right. for you. That's, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So let's talk about life after divorce. Perfect. What does that look like? I don't know. You're going to tell me. <laughs> I hope you never know. So the first thing that people should remember is that if you get a civil divorce and you uh, are not remarried, and you don't want to get an annulment. You don't have to get an annulment if you don't want to. Um, if you plan on just remaining as a single person the rest of your life, you're, you're still married, but your spouse has departed or you had to depart uh, for good reason. You can live faithfully to your vows um, without the spouse. Um, you know, I, I remember in the many years that I was single uh, after divorce, I had a rich and full life with family and friends and work and travel and helping neighbors and being active at church. Um, so you don't have to be married to be happy, you know. And and I didn't realize that when I was younger, but I certainly do now. So definitely after divorce, you can live faithfully to your vows. You you don't have to remarry. And sometimes you should not if you don't have the annulment. Um, but one of the things that people often ask me is, what's the best way to help my kids after divorce? Yeah, I bet. That, I, I bet that's hard. About, well, here's, here's the thing. The church has always said that you are the best teacher of your ch- child. And the, when you're on an airplane, which I am a lot, you know, when you're, if you're ever in a crash or something, they say the oxygen mask will come down. And if you're traveling with a child, who do you put the mask on first? Yourself. 
Okay, we all know that. So if you're going through the horrible crash of the fa- crash and burn of your whole family through divorce, make it a priority to get yourself stabilized because that's the best thing that you can do for your kids. You get help, you get stabilized, you get some rest, you get a, you know, whatever support system that you need so that you're not wigging out all the time. The kids need at least one parent who's stable and centered in Christ and, you know, and there for them. That's the first thing that you can do. And then, again, depending on the age of the kids, talk to them, get help for them if they need it, um, just love them, but do not turn into Disneyland mom or dad. Do not let them stay up all hours of the night because you feel so bad that there's a divorce going on. They need routine. They need structure. They need everything the same as it was the best to the best of your ability because their whole world just got rocked. So wherever you can keep it the stable and the same, do that. And if they mouth off and they're disobedient, you better not withhold discipline either. They need that too. Bring it on. So, yeah. <laughs> Life life needs to be as structured and stable as possible. So don't feel sorry for your kids. Just take care of yourself and love them and, and cling to Christ and get, get help at the church. Yeah, no, that that's great. I, it's, it's interesting that you say that, you know, the focusing on, on yourself. And I love that. And, like, coming from the perspective of, like, you know, working with teens, you know, ha- like— the parents of half of our teens are, are, are divorced, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, so we, de- you know, we get to, uh, be there for them whenever they're struggling through this divorce process and that sort of thing. Um, so in like, you know, I know that you said that the, the most important thing is, is helping yourself. And I totally get that. Um, but what are some of you, and you mentioned some of the practical things like trying to th- keep things steady. Um, but what are some of the best ways that parents like in talking to your kids, like you mentioned, um, what are some of the best ways that you can that you can um, help your kids throughout this process? Well, gosh, I wish we could have a whole other show on this, but you know, really, your primary duty is to get your kids to heaven. Um, and so, this is a time in divorce when we have a chance to really draw close to the Lord and really make our uh, uh, recommit to our faith and walking with Him. And this is what you can help your kids do. You talk about. Talk to the kids about why bad things happen to good people, and where is God, and what does the church say, and does God love you, and where is he in all this? And those are the generic, uh, bigger picture discussions that you should start with your kids. But again, if you don't have the answer yourself, you're all going to be lost. So and here's another plug. I have this beautiful project, our DVD project, with a book for parents to help them for these 12 weeks um, of, during the program to go home and talk to their kids about anger and depression and guilt and loneliness and, you know, why does daddy have a new girlfriend and all, all those kind of things. We, we help you, the parent, be the teacher. We come along, rather than trying to teach your kids for you, we come alongside you and help you do, have those conversations. That sounds like a great resource. What's the name of that again? It's called Surviving Divorce, and it's available uh, by Ascension Press, um, and I don't know the website, ascensionpress.com. But anyway, you can also go to this website, catholicsdivorce.com. That's with an S, catholicsdivorce.com. There's lots of free resources there to download, articles to read, ways to help your kids, lots of good stuff there. So if anybody's interested, go there. Yeah. No, 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 thank you. Cause yeah, I, I was, I think I was telling you off the air that there's, um, somebody that close to me that's going through a divorce and, uh, I'm going to send them there. So, um, Good. the next thing I wanted to ask you about was, uh, you've mentioned a couple of times, like way at the beginning of the show, you were, uh, you were talking about, uh, how hard it is sometimes to be happy while you're single, you know, even before you get married, right. We were, we kind of made the joke about the, yeah. uh, you know, or not the joke, but the, the example of a 29 year old, woman who's, you know, kind of, all of her friends are married Mm -hmm. and she just wants to get married, right? And it's so funny Mm -hmm. that, like, as you were saying that, um, you know, I'm thinking about a lot, I'm I'm 27, a lot of my friends, guys and girls, are both, like, clamoring to get married because a lot of us are, you know? Um, uh, So, like, both in the context of before somebody gets married or in the context of after divorce, um, how can you be single and happy? Because you said you did it. So how did you do that? Well, here's the thing. 
nobody's going to be perfectly happy on this earth. If you are married, you can be miserable. If you're single, you can be miserable. If you're married, you can be happy. If you're single, you can be happy. So our state in life should never determine how happy we are. It should help to facilitate and be a source of blessing for us and where we can use our gifts and talents. But our happiness is centered in our relationship with Christ. That's why we're Christians. And that's what our church teaches is that our heart, as St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in Thee. And so I, that's what I love about this divorce ministry is that people realize I couldn't count on marriage. I can't count on my kids. I guess the only person I can count on is Christ, and I better give him another look. And really, this program helps people have a deeper conversion to their faith and to, and to their love for Jesus Christ. And that just sends me over the moon with happiness. So happiness comes from knowing who you are as a as a precious son or daughter of God and called into loving union with him and then to be a gift of yourself like theology of the body says to your children to your community to your friends and family um, so that if marriage doesn't come along you're not miserable or antsy or anxious I mean that will blind you that's it blinded me I mean I made poor choices in relationships because I was so desperate so don't do that Go to Jesus. I know it sounds trite, but he's the one you really desire. Yeah, no, it's not trite at all because it's true, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess instead of tried and true, it's trite and true. So um. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, the, the other thing I, I want to hit before, before we have to hang up, and this has been really great, so thank you for this interview, but a lot of people ask me, can you date without an annulment? And... What do you think the answer is? No. Why? Because you're still married. Okay, good. It's a simple answer. I did it. Married people don't date. Married people don't date. Most married people don't date. Oh, they date date each other, but not anybody else. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So, again, the people who are got a divorce and they don't have an annulment and they just want to know, can I date, can I date, that tells me right away they're desperate, they're lonely, they don't know how to be by themselves. So I would say to anybody who's in this situation, or if you know somebody, encourage them to go to the movie by themselves, to go out to dinner by themselves, to take walks by themselves, to learn to love solitude. This is a thing that many people in our culture cannot handle they can't be alone. They can't unplug and, and just enjoy life. Um, and, and I think that's the number one thing that I would say to somebody. If you can't be by yourself and just enjoy life, uh, you got some work to do. And I would ask God for help in that area, definitely. My, uh, my wife and I were long distance when we were dating. So, you know, I mm-hmm. spent a lot of time by myself because I wasn't going to hang out with other girls while she was halfway across the country. So I went to King, right. King's China Buffet about once a week, and I sat there by myself and ate my meal. And everybody looked at me like, oh, he looks so sad. I'm like, dude, I'm happy as heck. I'm eating a $5 Chinese meal <laughs> by myself right next to my house in college. I, I, was, I was through the moon happy. So um, I know. You know what? That's a great example. And we don't, re- you know, maybe it, it might be uncomfortable at first. Um, and, I, and I remember one time I went to them after divorce, I went to the movies all by myself. And I was, as I was walking down the aisle, I saw a man sitting by himself, and he looked a little familiar, and it was my pastor. Oh, that's so great. It, I, yeah, and and his full, he was in his full clerics, and he'd gone to the movie by himself. So I, I sat next to him. I go, hey, bud, move over. And he laughed. And uh, we <laughs> oh, watched the ho- movie together. Hopefully it was, it was a good movie, and it wasn't one of those things like, oh, it's awkward seeing my priest here. <laughs> You know what? I don't even remember, but I remember how delighted I was that he just thought, you know what? I'm not going to sit around and feel sorry for myself. I'm going to go watch a good movie. And he did. Yeah, that's fantastic. The only time I ever, I think the only time I ever went to a movie by myself was right after I had the swine flu. I'd been cooped up for two weeks, you know, trying not to die. Uh... And, <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Um, and I'd been so cooped up that I went and saw a movie by myself. And then I was like, well, I don't have anything else to do. I'm going to see another movie. So then I went and saw. I went outside, bought another ticket, went back inside, watched another movie. Then I was like, "Well, 
I don't have anything else to do. So I went to Taco Bell next door, <laughs> put the Taco Bell in my backpack, went back to the movies, bought another ticket, and watched a third movie in a row. So I went to three movies in a row by myself. That might be a record somewhere. So. See, but you know, look look how you sound very delighted just telling the story. You, you, you did it, and it was just a treat to yourself. Um, you know, and, the, and the, those things are important. We need to discover sometimes who we really are and what we're capable of and, and some of the joys in life that, that God has given us. Yeah, there's, n- there's, no, ever, joy like, do, there's no joy like there's no joy like celebrating do, you're not dead. That's what I was doing. That was fantastic. Well, that's, that's right. I, I was going to say, don't ever do what I, I, I was so proud of myself for just being happy as a little single person, right? And, uh, but I decided to go down to the beach and watch the sunset on Valentine's Day one day. <laughs> just, you know, be with, be with God and have a nice glass of wine. But when I got to the restaurant and everybody was so romantic and so happy, I like, I drank my wine really fast and went home and cried. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. That, yeah, you, you had high expectations for that. And I, I kind of saw where that story was going from the get-go. That's rough. Right. So, you know what? Know your limits. Just know who you are and know what you can handle, handle and what you can't. And come out of your cave every once in a while. Um, but just, you know, draw close, draw close to the Lord. He loves you, and He's there, and He's real, and He... You know, we're in Lent right now, and we're talking about Jesus carrying his cross uh, to be crucified. Just remember, he met his mother on the way. Simon came and helped him. Veronica wiped his face. The women of Jerusalem cried for him. So if you've gone through divorce or you're carrying a really tough cross right now, just know that you, too, will have our Blessed Mother with you and people to help you, some to do the heavy lifting, some to wipe your face. So that's God's promise to all of us. Well, thank you, Rose. It's been great having you on today. I want to thank you for, for coming on and, and walking this journey with us. Um, so uh, I want you, in the last like minute and a half that we have, I want you to share a little bit about your ministry, about how people can connect with you. If, if people are listening today and they heard something that stuck out to them, they want to learn some more information, or they want some help going through a divorce annulment, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Where can they find you? rosesweet.com, all one word. Uh, lots of resources there, books, and my speaking engagements. And I, I just k- gave a, uh, a beautiful marriage retreat in Owensboro, Kentucky. So I, I love to, to teach what the church teaches and, and get real about it, you know? So rosesweet.com, there's all the good stuff. Yeah, you can find all, all of her books and, all, and how to book and all that kind of stuff. So most important question of the entire interview today is Rose Sweet like your birth name? Yes! I lucked out, didn't I? That's so tremendous. <laughs> like, it's one of those names that I, I kind of thought that, like, maybe it was a nickname or something. It's just too perfect for somebody who's talking about, like, marriage, divorce, and, and all, all, like, all, the, all these things. It's too perfect of a stage name. So congratulations well, to your parents. No, you know what? I really th- I think about the Blessed Mother. Very often I fell in love with her when I was a little girl and her favorite flowers rose, and I really realized... I think she has her hand on me and is helping me to help other people. So all the credit goes to her. All right, Rose. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was, it was absolutely our pleasure. If you're out there listening, thank you for tuning in tonight. We will be back next week with another great guest. So uh, stay happy, stay thirsty, enjoy your week. See ya!